I'm really excited to have Kristen Jensen on the podcast today. She's talking to us about kids and pornography, and I followed her work for a really long time. Um, I own one of her books, and it's just brought um, a lot to our family. So I think you're going to really enjoy her. She's the founder of Defend Young Minds, the number one bestselling author of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. That's a book that I've owned. Um, and I love the subscript on her book. It says, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids, because who wouldn't? want to do that for their kids, right? Um, she is also the executive producer of the Brain Defense Digital Safety Curriculum, a powerful and engaging video-based course for families and educators. She is a positive voice for raising empowered, resilient, screen-smart kids who know how and why to reject pornography. And I love that she teaches parents and children what to do when they encounter pornography. You know, we have access to the internet everywhere we go. It's in the palm of our hands, literally. So instead of just pretending our kids are never going to see pornography or hoping they don't, why not give them skills what to do when they do see pornography? Teach them what pornography is by definition and then what to do when they when they see it. She'll cover that today in this episode. Plus, at what age she thinks you should be talking to your kids about pornography, how to introduce the subject, because um, I know sometimes it can feel like, how do we just start talking about pornography? She'll talk about how to introduce it. Um, she'll also talk about what you can do if you find your child has been viewing pornography, plus many other resources um, that she'll discuss here in this episode today. Hope you enjoy it. And if I could leave you with a challenge at the end of the episode, um, have a conversation with your kids about pornography if you never have, or if you have, maybe revisit it. Maybe it's been a while, but I'd love to see uh, a real takeaway for you today around something that you can do to defend your children against pornography. Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Today, I have with me Kristen Jensen of Defend Young Minds. Thank you so much for being here. It's so great to talk with you, Melissa. Hey, I've loved your work for a really long time. Um, in fact, I went back and looked. I bought uh, one of your books called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures way back in 2015. So it's been a part of our family for a very long time. So you've been on the top of my list that I wanted to um, record with. So I'm so glad to have, have you today to share your expertise and wisdom because it's benefited my family personally. I, I always love to hear that. Makes all the work worth it. <laughs> yes. And we'll get into the details. I'd love to talk more in depth about um, your book and how it's helped, how it has helped my family have the pornography conversation or conversations with, with my kids. But I'm so curious to know, and I know a little bit of your story, but I'd love to hear it from you. What had you decide that pornography in children was something that you felt like, I want to make a difference here? I feel yeah. like I can. Well, I'll tell you, I'll be honest. 
when I first heard about pornography problems and that you could get addicted to it and that it was ruining marriages and all this, I wanted to have nothing to do with that. And I thought I'll do something like, you know, build a, you know, orphanage in, in Mexico, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I didn't want to touch that. But several years later, I moved to a new city and met a woman who had a large family. And one day she called me up, asked if we could talk. And she told me about her 17 year old son who had, they had found out that he had been molesting his younger brothers and sisters from the 14 year old to the four year old. And Pornography was definitely a big part of that. I actually talked with him later and found out that, you know, he had to go to a special program. Thank goodness in our state, we actually have a program for these kids. And um, so, but he said that every single one of the boys in his cohort were, um, they had acted out on children Uh, because they had been exposed to pornography, not because they had had a hands-on perpetrator, but they had been exposed to pornography. Pornography was a perpetrator. Anyway, I woke up the next morning and I just felt just like I had to do something about this. I had to figure out a way to warn the young children. I don't know. I think it's just one of the reasons I'm on the planet. That's all I can say, because I did not want this. Um, But suddenly it just was like, uh, I just felt compelled, right, to, so I went and looked for um, books, because I thought, oh, there'll be a book, there'll be a book, and I can just send it to this friend, and um, she can warn her younger children, and, you know, but I couldn't find any books, you know, they were all about, you know, sexual abuse or stranger danger or that kind of thing, but they weren't about pornography. Nobody mentioned it. So I started to do some research and that's three years later, um, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures was published. And then two years after that, Good Pictures, no, three years after that, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior uh, for three to six-year-olds, that was published in 2017. So, and, and I, And to be honest, I didn't even think of doing a book for younger kids. I was still hearing people going, what? Talk to a seven-year-old? I'm like, yes, because they have access to the internet and they're getting into this stuff. But I never thought of a three-year-old until parents, multiple parents started asking me to write this book. So obviously there's a need uh, for that. So those are the two books. And I also wrote one for therapists, which is the good pictures, bad pictures guide book for counseling kids. So well, that's, I love that. that's what I've done. Yeah. I love that you felt a need or it just felt like you're saying called that this is maybe why I'm, I'm put on there. I think sometimes <laughs> it's hard to, to follow. I had a guest, um, Last year, she loves talking about family mealtime. And she's like, I don't know why I just love talking about it, but she does. And I feel like those things are put in our hearts for a reason. And I love yes. our, you know, taking that and running with it and making such a profound difference in the world. Okay. Thank so you. something that you said um, there at the end reminds me. Um, so I did 
recently in preparation for this for this interview, I did get your good pictures, bad picture pictures junior, which I had not um, read prior to just a few days ago. Um, and like you said, it's for children ages, I believe three to six. Mm-hmm. And you said, um, or you say in your book, maybe you could expand more on this, that the best time to start talking to your children about pornography is when they first have access to the internet. Right. So that's probably one of the most asked questions that I get. Like, when should you start this conversation? And I say, well, uh, when are do they have any access to the internet? That's when. Um, so I've already read this book to my grandchildren. I have two little boys um, and they at, at age two. And so we just start, keep reading it. And they, each time as they get older, they get more and more of it, but it's normalized in the sense of this is a normal conversation that we can have. We can talk about it. It's not hidden. We're, we're going to bring pornography out of the dark where it has power and into the light where our kids have power. I love that. And that's the whole point of it. Yes. And I think you're right. I might on, at first thought seem like is this a conversation for a two or a, or a three-year-old, but it absolutely, they're having access to the internet and anything on there. And the sooner they can learn these skills, you know, what to do when they see it, the better off, the better off it will be. And like you're saying, mm-hmm. making it part of a, of a conversation that they don't have to be afraid about, but it's like a conversation that our family is already in and we're not afraid to talk about any of it. Mm-hmm. I would love to know like where, so say if, if, um, someone's listening and they have a child that maybe they realize, Hey, we've never actually had this conversation about pornography. Um, where would you recommend someone starts? Okay. Well, we do have a quick start guide that you can download for free on defendyoungminds.com. So check that out. That's our most popular guide partly because it's free, (laughs) Um, but it's also very good. It gives you some statistics and answers some really good questions about having these conversations. So I would definitely uh, go and check out the quick start guide. How do I talk to kids about pornography? Then I will say that the way I start out the conversation in good pictures, bad pictures, is we begin with something positive. We begin start to We begin by starting to talk about the positive and fun pictures in our lives and the photos of family and friends and all the fun things we've done. And when you start it out positively and then, you know, trans um, transition into, well, these are good pictures and this is why we enjoy them. Um, But they're also bad pictures. Some pictures are good. Some pictures are not good, they're bad for you. And then a simple, uh, just a simple definition of what bad pictures are or what pornography is. Now, some people are not going to be comfortable saying the word pornography with children. My own personal thought is we need to get control of this word and have power over it and not give it like additional powers, right? you know, the name that must not be named or whatever, you know, um, we, I think we can say this word 
um, with our young children. But that's up to you, right? It really is up to you. And maybe you'll do it later on. Maybe not at three, but maybe, you know, there's only one little place in the younger book where it's on a little sticky note. You, you don't have to, to say it. But um, so the first thing a kid needs is a definition, right? A definition so they recognize it. And then they need a warning. They need to know that it's harmful and some of the reasons it's harmful as they get older. And then third, they need a plan. So they know exactly what to do when they are confronted with seeing pornography. So many children don't go looking for it. It comes looking for them or another child shows it to them. So a definition, a warning, and a plan so that they can really be an active part of keeping themselves safe uh, from the harmful effects of pornography um, if they get pulled into it. Would you be willing, I know you go into detail in your book about the plan. Would you be willing to share with us a little bit of what you would recommend? What it is? What it is? Yeah. Yeah. So with the junior, it's like turn, run, tell. And That sounds so simple. I don't know how many weeks it took us to come up with that. (laughs) Maybe I'm just slow. I don't know. Anyway, clever. I like it. Turn, run, and tell. So, you know, and then the can do plan, you know, the, uh, you know, you want to teach children. Yeah, for seven to 11. Um, Although I will say in the book for the older kids, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids. I've had many people say, oh, I use it for my teens, but I just kind of go through and highlight the principles. And then we, I use it as a, you know, a guide for a discussion, which that's also good. And I've had therapists say they use it for their adult clients who are addicted to pornography because it's so helpful in boiling down. Um, you know, when you're addicted, your brain is affected and you are not probably going to read you know, a 500 page book on, you know, pornography addiction. And so it can be used. The, the, what I'm saying is the information in there really has no age limit. Uh, the present presentation of it is probably um, a little young for a 15 year old. Right. But um, in any case um, now I forgot what your question was. I'm like circling around. No, you, you, you touched on it. Just like, what was the actual, um, Oh, the plan. plan. Yes. Right. So close your eyes. Always tell, always tell a trusted adult and name it when you see it. And in the book, we tell you why, you know, the brain science behind each of those things. And then the, the last two are really how to minimize those memories. Because when a kid sees it, so many people, if you'll ask them as adults, what was the first time, you know, you saw pornography? They can always tell you because it just made such an impression. Well, we need to help kids learn how to minimize those memories, how to build a neural connection away from those memories. And it takes a little practice, but it's simple to do. And this is something that adults that are in recovery, they do. My husband says that if he's exposed to something that he doesn't want to remember, he uses the same can-do plan. So again, there's no age limit on this plan. Um, and it's very, very helpful, all based on neuroscience, really, and what really works. And I love, I don't remember as much um, 
maybe, maybe it was there. Maybe I just don't remember as much science in your first edition, as I'm reading in the second edition, I love it's So like, well, researched in the science of what pornography does to the brain from a scan perspective, it is the same as an addiction. Am I, am I correct? Yes, absolutely. And there's just a drug addiction. That is tons and tons of research studies. In fact, I'm starting to work on a little project where I'm going to be describing and 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 showing the latest studies that prove the science behind good pictures bad pictures. So I will say it's definitely an addiction. I mean, if gambling can become an addiction, then sex and pornography can definitely become an addiction. Um so it really it's you know, when we take a drug physically, a substance, it works on the dopamine in our brain. And it works on certain pathways, the pleasure system and the reward system. So pornography, we bring it through our eyes, sometimes through our ears, sometimes you know we read it or we hear it, uh, we view it. That is something that you know is just bringing in a drug through a different way, but it has really similar effects. For example, they've found that if you're addicted to substances, they've done studies where they look at the great the prefrontal cortex and they which is your control center that's the breaks to your brain right and your executive functioning and in all addictions they see that this is shrunk because you're not using it you're basically not using your breaks you're not using that muscle and so everything is just going through uh, the feeling brain right instead of the thinking brain um which and I what they did the I love how you introduced that concept in your book. Even my uh, teen boys, sometimes I'll say like, hey, this is uh, a great example of our thinking brain versus a feeling brain. Um, And you're kind of describing that now, you know, where sometimes we're conditioned to do something because it feels good rather than like thinking it through. And these two things are at play in our mind. Yeah, I've had so many parents say they use the thinking brain, feeling brain for a lot of other things and parenting than just, you know, talking about, you know, how pornography affects your thinking brain and feeling brain. Um, but they're really, uh, so they did a, an actual uh, MR, fMRI, the functional MRI test to see if people that considered themselves addicted to pornography used it compulsively, you know, and a lot. Um, if they're if they showed shrinkage of that part of their brain and they did, and it was correlated with the amount of pornography. So the more pornography that they were looking at, you know, and, you know, constantly, maybe daily, um, the more their brain had shrunk. So we don't want our little children to have shrunken brains. We want them to have every advantage that they can. And I think kids deserve to know They deserve to know. We're not trying to scare them, but we are trying to explain the real consequences, the real consequences of using pornography. Um, And I think we do them a great disservice if we don't explain the truth. And that is proven out by, like I said, just, I don't know, I know of over like 60 studies that show that pornography is addictive. So I don't know how many we need to have before 
uh, mainstream media will acknowledge that this can become an addiction. Mm-hmm. But in the tobacco industry, it took, I don't know, six or 7,000. You know, when it when tobacco, oh no, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't cause lung cancer. It doesn't cause throat cancer. Well, guess what it did, but they had to come up with 7,000 studies before, you know, Congress took any action. And so, yeah, we need to be, we don't, we don't have time to wait for that. We know it's harmful. What would you, I feel like sometimes it does feel, um, for me as a parent, I'm, I feel like we sometimes do, you know, even though you say Congress hasn't (laughs) realized it, we as parents do realize, you know, the stakes that are at hand. And sometimes I think if we, you know, I have friends who they find out um, their child has seen porn. It can be a really scary thing that feels almost overwhelming. And I think, yep. I think I saw that you actually have something on your website that's okay. My my child has seen porn. Now yeah. what? We have a guide that called Yeah, my child saw porn. Now what? And we I don't know of anything else quite like this uh, resource. It has a five-step plan. So we call it the SMART plan because I like, uh, you know, S stands for this, M stands for that, you know. Um, first thing is stay calm. You do not have to confront your child the moment you see that they have looked at porn or sought it out. Um, or even if they, if you've talked with them before and they come and tell you, um, you need to like remain calm. And so you can give yourself 24, 48, 72 hours. You don't have to react right then. I think you need to get, like you said, and we get emails like this all the time. You just feel the heartache and the emotion. Um, Try to work through those feelings and know that you're not alone. You're, You're probably in the majority of parents. You're just, not everybody talks about it. But um, so... um, that would be the first step. And then make a plan is the second step because you need to have a plan for what questions you want to have answered. And we give you a lot of advice about how to have these discussions and not to do it like all in one big interrogation, mm-hmm. right? This we want so the good. kids, yeah, we want them to feel comfortable because if they trust you, if you don't freak out and blow up, um, you know, they're just going to pull back. If you do that, but if you're calm, if you're not shaming, if you're just like, okay, well, you know, why were you doing that? And how did you feel? But again, you've got to deal with your own emotions first, and then you deal with this issue. And we give you, you know, it's all laid out. It's like 88 pages. We also have a lot of articles in there from therapists uh, that are um, responding to questions received very common questions uh, from parents. So that is something and um, that is not free, but it's a very nominal fee and it really helps support our work at Defend Young Minds. So I thank you if you, if you, if you buy that, I appreciate everyone that does that. And the books also keep us going. Thank you very much. Thank you. I love that. um, Yeah. Everything you've shared then just now about, about that, because I think in today's world, I'm sure you have statistics about how many children will see porn and at what age, but I imagine most of it gets younger. 
these are these are hard studies. So they did a study way back in 2004, mm. almost 20 years ago. Yeah. It's coming up 18 years ago before the iPad, right? Before the iPhone. And they they felt like 11 was about the average age. And I do feel like that has come way down, but it's very difficult to go and corral a bunch of five to nine-year-olds and ask if, you know, they've seen porn. I think that's a really difficult. Totally. Um, but a lot of the studies where they do ask like kids as they're t- as teenagers, they say, oh yeah, I was, I was, I saw it when I was seven. I saw it when, so we're, and I've heard so many five-year-olds say they got, they saw porn on a school bus. Ah, you know, every school bus in America is a triple X theater because of these smartphones in the hands of young children. So um, we need to help kids develop an internal filter, persuade them, uh, make it safe for them to come and talk to you. And, and honestly, if they have, if their curiosity has gotten the best of them, you got to understand that, you know, I think a lot of us uh, forget what it was like when we were that age. We were very curious. We are very wired to be curious. So don't shame the kids. Just try to convince them with constant drip, drip, drip talks um, that this isn't going to help them be happy. This isn't going to help them achieve their goals and their dreams. Uh, This is going to detract from all of that. Um, that reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you. I know that um, I could get a better handle on, I know there's things you can put in place at your house, like such as router filters and things like that. Mm-hmm. I love that what you teach is like, even though, even the, to have the internal filter, like you're saying, even if, you know, they're at school and these router filters aren't in place that they can be empowered to still make these good decisions for themselves. Right. But if a parent were looking for, um, you know, some of those first line defenses in their home, such as a router filter or something like that, is there anything that you would recommend? Like, oh, yes, I would absolutely do this or, or do that. Well, I will tell you that our main focus is building this internal filter, but we do get asked a lot of those questions. And um, a couple of filters that we've really liked is Canopy, and that uses AI, artificial intelligence, to recognize, you know, pornography, recognize nudity, and not just on a website, but on a picture. So it won't shut down. Like, for example, if if you have one of these, you know, uh, filters, it used to be, you know, you would, you were going to look for chicken breasts on sale and it wouldn't uh-huh. let you because <laughs> breasts, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> the words. Uh, so this is a little smarter way. Uh, I've heard Griffin is good, but you can, and I think that having a router, having, especially for young children and having something on the devices is very good. But as they get a little older, by the time they're 10, honestly, that, and and especially if, when they go to middle school where pornography is just discussed as a matter of fact, like it's, um, it's something that's so common and normalized, unfortunately, 
that by then they really need to have some good arguments in place in their mind. And, you know, teachers talk about creating a disposition. So we want to create a disposition against pornography, a disposition that will help a child reject it. And, you know, one of the things that we have now is the brain defense digital safety curriculum. And while good pictures, bad pictures is awesome for parents to read, this uh, course is taught by, not by me, (laughs) thank goodness, it's taught by six positive teens. And they are older peers. And we know um, prevention science teaches us that older peers have a huge impact on younger kids. So these older peers teach all of this. They tell stories. They can kind of joke with each other, tease each other. And so it's funny. It's memorable. But those kids are now hearing it from other older kids like, don't look at pornography. It's this is why it's harmful. And, you know, they also teach a lot of other things that good pictures, bad pictures doesn't focus on, which is like how habits are formed in the brain. Um, And we talk a little bit about predators. We talk about bullying. We talk about um, and just what what is a good digital citizen? Uh, So you can learn more uh, on our website. Um, or you can go to braindefense.org and it'll get you to the same place. We have one for schools, but we also have one for families. It's very simple, but again, powerful for a family to uh, use. And I will say this is an immense problem. I hope whether it's our resources or others, I hope you will take advantage of every tool that you can find uh, to to help your child to arm them against the these these problems. Yes, and you that brain defense sounds like such a cool a cool resource resource for even those um, older kids who you're like you're saying you're not going to necessarily sit down and read a book right. But it is for seven to eleven. Again, okay. this is the age where they're getting first getting exposed to pornography. This is where we want to like, this is the most, I mean, three to six is important, but seven to 11, really important to get them trained up. Because if you're waiting till 13, 14, 15, now it's intervention. It's not so much prevention, it's intervention, which is still good. It's still good. And they still need to hear these messages, but the earlier, the better. And again, that seven to 11, all the stories I've heard of people that have gotten into porn. I mean, honestly, I can't think of one person that says, well, well, I saw it when I was 15. No, they see it when they're seven or nine or 11 or 12. So it's, 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 um, and often they'll see it at a younger age. And then when the hormones start kicking in, they will then go to it. Um, so it's so important. So interesting. Yeah, to get that internal filter started and to keep building it, building it, building it. Okay, I have one question that um, a friend asked me and I didn't know how to answer it. And so I was like, ooh, I'm going to ask Kristen. <laughs> she, um, I was telling her about your book. This was last year and she had just moved from Europe and she was saying, I when we were living in Europe that we were, you know, exposed to a lot of 
I don't know what you would call it, nudity, where, mm-hmm. whether that's in art exhibits or just, um, I don't statues know, everywhere, statues, every yeah. statue, I've never like no to- statue has clothes on in Europe, <laughs> pretty much. I think I saw one. So yeah. <laughs> so she was just saying, I don't want to, um, I don't want to, she's like, shame. how do I teach my children? Yes. That about, yeah, exactly. Shame. She's like about good pictures and bad pictures, but then we've just spent this time in Europe. What would you, what would you say to, I, to her, someone in that situation? Yes. I love that question. So thank you for bringing it up. couple of things in the books. We do not say that there's any part of the body that's bad. So in good pictures, bad pictures, we say, um, Pornography shows the parts of the body that we keep private, like the parts we cover with a swimsuit. Every part of our body is good, including our private parts, but taking pictures of them and showing them to others is not good. It's important for your safety to keep private parts private. So again, we're like focusing on taking pictures of an actual person's private parts and sharing them. That is that is not good. And we also say that in the junior book, Every part of your body is good, including your private parts, but taking pictures of them is not good. And I think we need to teach them it's not safe. So that's one thing. But the other thing is, are these, are all of these nude pictures, nude statues in Europe, are they, uh, is that pornography? And I don't think it is because I don't think it intentionally is trying to arouse a sexual response. Um, so we have an article, uh, I think it's called Porn Versus Art. Maybe it's Art Versus Porn <laughs> on our website. And it goes into, you know, this, because I've had critics say, you know, once you read this book to your kids, you can never take them to a museum, blah, blah, blah. Ah, uh, that's not, that's not true. It really goes to the intention of the picture. Is this picture designed to get you aroused sexually? Now, somebody who is addicted to porn is very sensitized to nudity and these things. So I'm not saying that that kind of a person won't get a little charged from seeing any kind of nudity. I don't know, but generally, uh, no, I don't, because I've been to Europe and I, I know, I know I've seen those things. I've thought about the same question. I think um, this is something that as they get a little older, it's easier to be more nuanced. Mm -hmm. Um, But read that article, Art Versus Porn. We talk about um, how you can kind of see the difference because I think there is some things that pass for art that, you know, I'm doing air quotes, that is really pornographic. I've seen some pretty pornographic uh, things in, in fact, outright pornography that is masquerading as art in, um, well, there was a, there was an uh, art exhibit that went around and it was in, it's in Seattle and we're near Seattle and it's, you know, so some people cross the line. I don't think the, you know, the David Mm -hmm. and the Sistine Chapel, you have to worry about there, but you can have these nuanced discussions with your kids as they get older. And I did, um, this morning I did hop on, cause I think there was a little footnote in, in the book that, um, as I was reading to my daughter this morning, I, ju- I did jump on your, 
website on the art verse porn um, page that you're talking about. And it was, I really enjoyed reading everything. You have a lot of resources on there. And um, I think even an art professor speaking to, you know, his interpretation of art versus porn, it was, it was really good. So, yeah. Okay. My last, probably I'm going to say it's my last question. If you could tell parents anything about pornography or the work that you do, what would be, what would be your one message you would want to give to parents? I would say that you want your children to grow up with a very positive view of sex. In fact, you probably, you may never have said this out loud, but you probably want your kids to grow up and have a great sex life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's what I wanted for my daughters. And, you know, with the right person at the right time and the right way. Um, But that's not going to happen if they get into porn. Pornography will hijack their sexual script. So sexual scripts are just your thoughts, your ideas, your concepts about sex, what it's for, the purpose of it, what it is. Pornography is absolutely the opposite of what healthy sex should be. Um, Or what I believe, I'll say what I believe healthy sex should be, should be something that is um, obviously consensual, something that is respectful that it that includes loving the other person ideally uh respecting yeah. them it's uplifting it's it builds that relationship it glues it together um and all the every one of those things the opposite and i have a good article about that i think it's like seven crucial conversations about the, anyway I'm famous for forgetting the titles of my articles. <laughs> it's on your but website though. Seven crucial conversations. I think that's what it is. Seven or six. Anyway, I, yes. And the, the thing is, is that you want to be thinking about this from the time they're young, because we live in this hyper sexualized world. And sometimes we just kind of get desensitized to it a little bit. Uh, but if we try to see it through young eyes, um, you can't, shield them you can't raise them in a bubble but mm-hmm. you can you can be the first to start talking about this again i would say that um you want them to have a great sex life when they're older and when they're ready with the right person and at the right time you you want them to know that pornography is not going to lead them in that direction it's going to lead them the opposite direction And we have a lot of information on our website about how it destroys marriages. Um, I was just at a conference in Nashville and so many women came up to me and said, talked about how uh, pornography had absolutely destroyed their marriage and, and really hurt and impacted their children. And so, um, we want our kids to be happy. We want them to be able to have their dreams fulfilled and, and pornography will, is going to hurt them. Pornography is going to make it so that when they go to have sex with somebody, if they have the images of porn filling their mind, um, it's going to be violent. It's going to be, you know, there's just so much rape porn out there. There's so much. And then also the way porn you know, they have this barely legal category that is just 
awful. And it's kids, young kids. Well, it's porn performers dressed up as young children. And you, it's selling this idea that, uh, and not only, you know, having sex with young children, but, but uh, incest, you know? So we need to like, if we just do nothing, it's going to be coming in. Um, we have to have arguments against it. We have to train our children to see it. Now, that doesn't take away their freedom, but it gives them an opportunity to know what they're getting into, to know the, to know the consequences of it. So that's would be my, that's one of the reasons, you know, I want to help children grow up, have wonderful marriages, have wonderful families, um, and not be impacted by uh, sexual exploitation and by pornography. And I believe pornography is like an assault on children. You know, it's like sexual assault on their minds. Mm-hmm. So you cannot raise them in a bubble. <laughs> you have to give them kind of inoculation. You have to build this internal filter with them. And the younger you start, I think the safer they are. Thank you for that. And I love, yeah, I love everything that you shared here today and that, and that you're, you're doing for families. I really appreciate your work. And, um, and it's just allowed our family to have an ongoing conversation. I think sometimes these conversations can feel a little intimidating at first, and then it can be like, at least for me, sometimes I'm like, okay, check. We had, we talked about that, but I know it needs to be like an ongoing conversation. So I appreciate everything that you share and do to, to bring that to, to families, to make this an approachable yeah. subject and something that we can talk about openly with our families. Um, because parents are really the best ones to do it. And then, and then if you have a group of six older teens, that would be great too. Either that, or you can go to brain defense. <laughs> and I'll link to uh, all of, all of the resources that we've um, discussed today. I will I know we've discussed a lot. I'll try and get them all linked. Yeah. I just want to say one last thing. And that is children who understand how to reject, how and why to reject pornography are so much better prepared to keep themselves safer from actual hands-on child abuse Mm -hmm. because Perpetrators use pornography to groom children, to normalize it, to say, oh, isn't this fun? And I have so many stories of a child, you know, that is is approached by a perpetrator. Hey, with the cell phone, look at this, you know, wouldn't this be fun to do? And then that boy realizes, oh, that's porn and goes up and tells his mother and gets out of a very um, dangerous situation. I have lots of stories about this. It happens. And when kids know to reject pornography, they can nip it in the bud and stay safer. So just another reason to motivate you to start these conversations early. Yes. And if they have um, that plan, and if this is a conversation you're regularly in, then they will feel like I can approach my parents about this. This isn't a secret thing that I keep to myself. Like I know what to do and where to go. Absolutely. I know what to do. There was a boy that was, his mother read him good pictures, bad pictures. Three days later, he went to uh, school. A friend showed him pornography on a phone. 
And he went home and he told his mom, I, I was scared, but I knew what to do. You know, I was scared, but I knew what to do. You can just feel the burden coming mm-hmm. off his shoulders. He has an ally. He has a mentor. He has someone that can help him through it. Yes. And what, Such a more, gift. Yes, exactly. What more do we want for our kids than them to feel to feel that when they encounter porn? Yeah. So thank you again for yes. joining me today um, and everything that you do. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple. And we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you, it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. One last thing. We feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.